Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is, is the story, story So Farscape. Farscape. Yes. Boom, baby! Join us for episode 320, <laughs> Into the Lion's Den, part one, Lambs to the Slaughter. Yeah, it's been a while since we had such a very, very long title, uh, episode yes. title. As for, Like, even when you were asking, oh, which episode are we doing today? 320. All right. You could have told and me to, like, when I started writing down, it's like to write smaller, because I ran out of was, space. On no, exactly. <laughs> and then you reached for the remote and said, I, uh, Into the Lion's Den. Okay. And you reached for the remote, part one. And then you reached for the remote, <laughs> Lambs to the Slaughter. <laughs> And it opens after the uh, previously on oh, Farscape, which on. I think Claudia Black got to we do. Need, we need to do our uh, uh, the, the, oh, the synopsis from our oh, listeners yes, first. Yes, 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 obviously. Oh, so, I've just been so excited. Uh, absolutely, yes, so absolutely. Let's see, what do we have here? Marky uh, C says, The crew enter Scorpius's command carrier to enact John's wormhole plan, but things quickly go to Dren thanks to an unexpected arrival. Prepare for be- be- there. Prepare for betrayal, mutiny and jetpacks? Thanks, Marky C. The red carpet gets rolled out for the crew, but the food could be better and someone doesn't want to eat at the kiddie table. They didn't go there to fight, but the fight keeps finding them. Thanks, Lucy. Great synopsis. Yeah, so, yes, we get a... um Prepare for Starburst! Yeah! We We do get Starburst, too. Well, later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. Let's keep going. I'm just so excited for this one. I've been looking forward to this for so long. And honestly, so did a lot of people. Because the idea of going to the command carrier mm-hmm. existed at the end of season two. Like, there were, yeah. there were two things that they, uh, that they knew. Aaron's going to come back somehow. Those were their challenges right, that they yeah. had to face. We've got to figure out the right way for Aaron to come back. And how to get the crew to the command carrier for the end of season three. Mm. And I've just been sitting here marveling because I know that throughout the entire production of, of season three, the, I mean, Farscape is an expensive production for Australia, yeah, but they still got more than their money's worth. So over the course of season three, like new sets for Talon were built and sometimes new sets for, for other locations were built. Mm-hmm. And every time that Tim Ferrier, the set designer, went about that, he was instructed to also keep in mind how can we turn this into a command carrier location with just a bit of paint or a lighting change mm. real quick, real cheap, so we can get a lot of bang for our buck in the... Okay, uh, sounds like a fa- So I'm going to ask this now, because I know it's going to come up. Yep. Did they at this point already know whether or not they were renewed for season four? Hmm. You know, I don't know that for sure. Yeah. Because, like, I've, I mean, this is like episode 320 into Land's End part one, which means it's probably going to be another three-parter because we're going to run towards the end of the uh, episode, of the, yeah. towards the season. It's a 22-episode so season, right. yeah. So, yeah, I was just curious what uh, if, if they already know whether or not they'll be, uh, they've been renewed because that kind of, like, plays with your expectations in how, how yeah. they set things up for, for a... Are they going to try to complete a whole and make it so, like, if we don't get renewed, then we still have a more or less complete thing, but we can extend it, or if... See, I don't know that. It didn't come up in any of my research, which leads okay. me to believe that they were very confident. I mean, mm-hmm. Farscape was, has, throughout its run, done very well in ratings. Mm. It, was a, it was a big hit for the Sci-Fi Channel. Not such a big hit in Australia, but partly that's also because of lack of promotion and airing, right. or... I don't okay, know, well, I mean, I that's... Exactly. Okay, so there's like, they were probably gambling on the fact that they were being going to be renewed for a season Seems four. Seems that they yeah. were confident, yeah. Okay, that's a, that'll just help me set my expectations for how to read things into how uh, 
Now, it's an interesting question, though. Like, I, I, I honestly don't know. If, I mean, if they did have doubts, then evidently they just decided to go for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. True. I mean, like, go, go, I mean, go big has always been uh, the Farscape way. Big swings, even if that means stupid people <laughs> in a diner that Kaki doesn't love. <laughs> and even if that means starting with a black and white sort of Johnny comes marching home, like World War II army scene, which is where we start off a conversation between John and Harvey. Okay, so which movie are they lampooning here, or making, ref- or is it just a generic World War II movie, or is this a specific movie that they're referring to? If it's a specific one, it didn't come up in my research. No, okay. But like, even the background music is a slow version of Johnny Comes Marching Home again. Right. Hurrah, hurrah! Or we ants go marching two by two, <laughs> marching through a smelly bug-infested jungle. This is your idea of a good time. I bet you don't get a lot of second dates. And it's John, who. I mean, he's in his 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 new season three leather jacket, mm-hmm. but it might as be well be like a a, a, a bomber jacket from right. the right yes. from the first or second war, especially for, like for filmed in black and white. Yeah, and uh, yes, Harvey is having a little oh no, but I'm going to die uh, like new recruit thing going for him. Oh, that's a great description. Yeah, he's got that that vibe that he's chattering where versus Crichton being the sort of grizzled veteran yes. who keeps his eyes on the on the mission. Very much. <laughs> uh, I mean, very much so. Turn back, John. Shut up, Private. We're going in. If Scorpius discovers you intend to sabotage his wormhole research, he'll kill you, John. And if you perish. So do I. Yeah, because because Harvey is advising him. Okay, you got to be careful because Scorpius is dangerous to us both. Yeah, because Harvey by this point, so he says, mm. doesn't want to die anymore. Because like that's what John says. Thought you wanted to die. Not anymore. I want to survive. Then follow orders. So yeah. Mm. So actually, let's pause there. How are you feeling about Harvey? Because it, he is someone whose motivations notoriously have changed. Fickle, yes. Or at least his stated motivations have changed. Yes. I mean, it's it's interesting because, like, other John got rid of his Harvey. Oh, yeah. I wonder yeah. if this Harvey knows that. I mean, did, like, Aaron talk to uh, John about, like, how other John got rid of Harvey? It's like, is it now known to Harvey that he can be get rid of? There's stuff like that playing around. Well, yeah, that's a fair point. We have indeed seen two Harveys mm. who had life experiences that were as different as the two Johns. So what has this Harvey experienced? He's seen, like, the defection of Linfer, yeah. uh, which comes up again in this episode. I mean, I'm almost inclined to say that he is probably still looking out for number one, because of course he is, but he is not yeah. particularly malicious in it. I mean, he knows that he's, like, dependent on... John's survival for his own, and yeah. unless he can do a takeover, which didn't work out for the other one very well. No, no, that was, so, uh, yeah. uh, I'm taking you down with me. Kind right, of, uh, yeah. So, yeah, there's an, there's an interesting sort of connection, almost, between John and Harvey, and, mm. like, yeah, Harvey is, actually seems to be on his side. Later on, it comes yes, up. Yes, no, absolutely. So I think he is. He's pl- I think he's playing ball for the time being, and, unless... Yeah, of course, if an opportunity arises that he might see more benefit by not playing ball, then he'll he'll probably still take that chance. I mean, I don't I don't think that Harvey has a lot of loyalty towards John. I just think that he can be. Yeah, I just, think he can be trusted to play the that he is playing the 
the facts as they are, or at least the situation as he sees it. All right. So, you know. Sort of like from the animated series The Tick. You can't blow up the earth. That's where I keep all my stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Then there's a really cool transition. There's a close-up of John in black and white, and then the black and white fades, and he's sitting in the uh, transport pod. Everybody's bickering. Rigel just reported in from the command carrier. Scorpius is sending marauders to escort us in. All blast us into particles. Why is your hair red? Because I'm anxious, okay? I don't know why we're doing this. I don't know why I came along, and I don't know why we didn't jump ship when you said we would. Because we'd be nowhere near a populated planet. As usual. Yeah. I mean, there's the three people who decided they were going to go to the uh, command carrier. There's uh, John, Aaron, and Crace, and Jewel, and Chiana, neither of whom were intending to go. No. Apparently, like, Chiana what? mentioned that there wasn't a habitable planet nearby, but quick why little, did, Quick little hand wave, yeah. But why did Jewel go? The peacekeepers don't know that she's, she exists. No. And she is kind of nervous about it because there's like this little comment about like, why is your hair red? And it's like, because I'm anxious. <laughs> yeah. Chris wasn't around to get that explained no. to him numerous times. <laughs> but I like that that's a question that he asks. Why is your hair red? red yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, John even suggests, okay, turn this around. We're going to drop them off on Moya. I'm going to turn this car around if you guys don't, if you kids don't stop bickering. <laughs> yeah. We get a beautiful shot of Moya and uh, Talon. Yes, they're hiding out around some planet where Moya has towed Talon. Yes. And she's under a great deal of stress. And Shiana says, yeah, well, you should see the rest of us. Yeah. Pilot is also, yeah, a little bit, uh, you know, pilot pilot is piloting. He's being his (laughs) uh, usual kind of snide self. I mean, I like like how how Pilot has made his uh, transition from being a kind of cowering, Nervous, uh, put upon so, accountant. That was his right. archetype. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, like, yeah, not very uh, self confident, not very, uh, yeah, yeah. And he turned into it as a snide little. Well, not least, nothing little about pilot, but he's no, a, exactly. And he's, uh, 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 yeah, he stands up for himself. And he Moya does now. as well. Yeah. And they do very well. And we are treated to a lovely, gorgeous shot of the fleet. Isn't it amazing? It is gorgeous. Just the sheer scale of it. It's on par with Star Wars uh, big battle shots. Although it's, oh, yeah. it's lit out differently. But uh... Yeah, there's more haze, mm-hmm. which I really love. Like, that sells some of the, some of the scale. But we also, like, we, we fly through the, um, oh, what's it called? The sort of servant fleet, the accompaniment of, right, uh, yeah. you know, we have a destroyer and it. What's that called? Well, you're calling, uh, you're, you're thinking of a... Uh, battle group. A, yes, you're thinking of an aircraft carrier. That's what I'm thinking Aircraft of, yeah. carrier battle group is what well, it's called. Yeah. it's a command carrier. Right, it? yeah. So we, we recognize some of these ships as marauders. I think some of these ships are unfamiliar, but they might... Oh, no, they're, they're, they're not the same as, as Alex's craft, which was a... Oh, what was that again? Pantac class vigilante. Yes. I don't know. Oh, dear. Why don't I remember that? I mean, that was a... Uh, oh, it's, it's mentioned later on, when because uh, it's one of the things that has the pulse cannon that disables my... Uh... A vigilante with an immobilizer pulse. Yeah, and I remember thinking, okay, they're going to mention it here again. It was mentioned later on, but... No, uh, there was a marauder and two prowlers, but the marauder is a landing craft that we've seen... Yes. Uh, and not a... I want to say something with a V. Talon has identified it as the vigilante. Oh, God, this is going to this is gonna vex me. Uh, ah, there. Uh-huh. Yeah, so they're escorted in, and there's just this enormous sense of scale. Like, there's this 
it might as well be a planet. And there's a wormhole. This is casually a wormhole. I mean, just... it's been there for ages because that's the wormhole that they were using in the uh, other research. A synthetic wormhole mm-hmm. that yeah. they've just kept open because he's close, Scorpius. Mm. But... I mean, that's, I assume that's the wormhole they were using for the earlier research. I mean, we see our uh, wormhole research alien. Strafa. Kokura Strafa. Strafa. Uh, that's still where they're hanging out. I mean, he looks weird, but he's got this lovely nervous smile that he does. And it's like <laughs> <laughs> I told you about that, right? Yeah. <laughs> that as soon as they put the makeup on, he did a big smile for everyone, and they just, <gasps> we're doing that. That's you. That's <laughs> yeah. you. It's the best thing. And we even get to see, like, the command carrier has these rings around it where the, uh, where the frag cannons run on rails. Oh, yeah. Sort of flying through the rings and just seeing the tremendous scale and into this hangar bay that's bristling with weapons. I love these shots. And then you see, the, like, like, almost Star Warsian again, welcoming committee, everybody's, like, to the near. It's a, it's a literal, it's a deliberate homage to the metal scene in Star Wars A New Hope. Oh, I was going to say this, 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 the scene of uh, Darth Vader arriving on the Death Star the first time around. Oh. That's what it, that's what it invo- uh, more invoked me of. Yeah, you're right that there's that as well, yeah. And then later on they do the same thing for Palpatine, but they'll on an even grander scale. Yeah, well, <laughs> just with a bigger painting. Right, well, painting. You know. <laughs> fantastic art. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a red carpet... There's red drapery. Of course it's red. It's peacekeepers. There's huge... They've got options. It could also be, be black. black. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pitch black. <laughs> There's a sort of grumbling honor guard of peacekeepers. Mm. Lots of people wearing their hair in queues. And at the end, Scorpius, who raises his arms in welcome. Yes. Everybody goes, comes down again from the, from the prowler. We get a good shot of the prowler landing. Transport uh, pod is this. Sorry, transport pod. Yes, yep. my bad. And... Yes, as everybody walks the gauntlet of the honor guard. Yeah. I love how uh, John just, like, sticks his hand out to Erin uh, and goes, like, give it a little test there. Uh, yeah. And he gets his, like, thumb twisted around and... <laughs> Scorpius winces and it's like... And yeah, good. Scorpius gives him this angry look and he goes, like, oh, just testing, just, like, making sure you're on the And a bunch of other officers as well, like, they're at the ready and then the commanders are like, nope, no, hold on. <laughs> Brilliant. It's such a tense situation. Yep. So much can go wrong, and so many people are, are working to, to keep it under control. Cause so it's kind of interesting that, like, everybody, all the, all the peacekeepers are so tense here. Because, I mean, they, they know they're, like, they're in the majority. They've got a whole command carry-on. Like, if everything goes ro- anything goes wrong, then worst-case scenario is that Scorpius is, dies, and then they've got something to explain. But, you know, Scorpius did this to himself. So you'd think that, like, they don't really have any reason to be worried uh, yeah, but if if they fail to protect Scorpius and then Scorpius survives, right. then they're in trouble. This is yeah. the, the sort of eternal vice that the uh, the peacekeepers are in, especially on this ship, where, as we learn over the course of the episode, this was Crace's command carrier. Mm-hmm. And then Scorpius seized control after his, uh, well, actually, honestly, before his escape. Yes. And so this crew, which is like, I, th- I think it's mentioned, 50,000 people. Who Something like that, yeah. lived under Crace's command, and then, like, apparently he was not universally beloved by his people, and they hate Scorpius even more. Yeah, like no, this Crace episode... was not. Yeah, Crace was not a uh, popular commander. Apparently, right. I mean, we only see glimpses of of peacekeeper world of, of the peacekeeper world, and we and we sort of extrapolate from that. And here we realize just how much more complex it is, because mm. like I'm sure that those soldiers would love to just execute these criminals and be done with it and get back to work 
and their commanders probably would agree with them, but they have an obligation to rules fulfill to, their... Rules to follow, yes. Yeah. There's even a little glance between Crace and... Actually, a few people exchange glances. Like, at first it looks like the, uh, a short-haired woman in the in the Peacekeeper ranks is uh, looking at Aaron, but then Crace sort of glances at her as well. There's a lot being implied in this in this lovely long walk before yeah, Scorpius... Yes, angry looks, lots of nervous looks. Yeah. There's even more pageantry here than usual. There's a, there's a sort of almost... I mean, it looks like a Starship Trooper eagle logo in the background. Do you remember the, the yeah, Starship yeah. Troopers? I'm doing my part. This logo that looked like an eagle and also like a, like a B-52 bomber and also like a... Yeah. I mean, there's certain swastika... I mean, it was, meant, yeah, it was meant to look a little bit fascist, of course, but that was, of course, uh, Paul Verhoeven uh, <laughs> laying it on thick. Yeah. <laughs> and here as well, you know, the, the vertical banners, there's a strong... I mean, fascism is a difficult thing to pin down, sort of visually and culturally, because, like, Spanish fascism isn't the same as Russian fascism or Japanese no. fascism or uh, when those cultures were subject to fascism, that is. That is. I mean, they, they, they have a shared love of mythology and, and, and pageantry and symbolism, but it expresses itself in very different ways. So there's a lot of... I mean, a lot of the uniform designs is reminiscent of, like, revolutionary Bolshevik okay, uh, uh, yeah. costume designs. I, mean, I noticed that, like, uh, Scorpius's outfit almost, like, is going a little bit samurai with, you know, with the big... Uh, oh, with the shoulder pauldrons. The, the big yeah. shoulder pauldrons and stuff like that. Especially in this. I mean, I haven't noticed it much before, but especially now, when you get a lot of shots from him from behind and you see those huge... It's like... It, it when he raises really his arm, yeah. Yeah, really short cape or really huge pauldrons. I'm not quite sure which it is. But I think you're right. Like, it's it's got this sort of black snakeskin look, but it's also yeah. evocative of, like, uh, uh, woven armor or wicker right. yeah. or, or, or bamboo armor. Which was very effective with the cultures who use it. It's uh, it's lightweight. It's good against arrows. Flexible. Breathes well. Comfy. Yeah. And he extends a hand, and John shakes hands with Scorpius. Yes. I grant you, John, and your companions, full diplomatic rights, immunities, and courtesies whilst aboard this vessel. Woof. I mean, it was like I mean, there was a lot of good interaction between the two in this episode. Yeah, I enjoyed that. It's an entirely because di- like, John has had a lot more interaction with Scorpius than Scorpius knows he has. Like, I mean, Har- I say Scorpius, I mean Harvey, of course. Yeah, that's but, right. Yeah, he's like <laughs> John probably knows how to read Scorpius a lot better than Scorpius thinks that he does. Yeah. Well, and the other, <laughs> it's also true the other way because. Well, uh, Scorpius has explored the neural clone of John right. as well. Absolutely. So he knows a bit more about John's responses mm-hmm. than, than John is aware. And it's a fantastic game because both of them act hugely against type compared to all their previous interactions. Yes. John is a bully. It's a good deal for you. Oh. Uncontested. Hmm. John pushes and pushes and pushes the way that Scorpius usually did. Right. And Scorpius here is accommodating and just giving and, and, and ceding ground more and more and more just to keep this deal afloat. But I mean, his, uh, as we learn, his reputation or his plans like are all hinge on this, so he really wants this to work. And John yeah. is, like, really wants it not to work, but he can't let on to that, and therefore he just, like, yeah, he makes those demands. Whenever there's a 
a setback, he just one-ups and goes like, well, of course there is a setback because, like, I don't have this or I don't have that and you yep. don't give me this. And I don't assist. John. Screw you and your intention, Scorp. I do not eat at the kitty table. Now, you either give me the big toys or you send me home. But if you think about, like, the last time that they had real strong interactions, actually, I don't know if it's the last time, but I'm thinking about, like, look at the princess. Oh, hello, Crichton. Where... Scorpius came in, and he was the one who continually pressed his right. advantage. even though he didn't have any, because he was like... Exactly. He, he was there a guest. He was a guest there anyway. And he just constantly tested John and the, and the Moyans and, and pressed and pressed and pressed. I guess that's what John learned. Yeah. I guess that's also why, why Scorpius is quite so willing to, to cede ground. Like, turnabout's fair play. <laughs> this is a valid strategy, and... Yeah, he's he not doesn't. claiming any territory that he's not entitled to. No, and, he, and Scorpius doesn't really have any anything to counter that with, I suppose. Yep. Like, his strength is the fact that he's in control of the entire environment, but that's also almost a bit of a weakness because it doesn't, yeah. give, him, it doesn't give him any pressure. Any uh, Any pressure points, yeah, yeah, any leverage. It's like, he knows that, like, John has made it very clear very early on that he is willing to die here. Like, yep. he's willing to, like, kill Scorpius and take the bullet himself, so to speak. Yep. If that's the alternative. (laughs) Like, he has nothing left to give. Yep. And so he walks in, like, especially this uh, uh, big-dogging Bracker, Bracker who tries to be the lieutenant. Hey, but you're you're not supposed to... What incentive is there for us to work on crazy? Bracker, you want to go another round with me? Yeah, yeah. Come on, you know how that worked for you the last (laughs) time. I mean, I I love Bracker's role in this episode, even though it's fairly minor, but he just kind of, like, gets ordered about, and he's just, like... Clearly uncomfortable in the whole uh, situation, but Poor he Bracker. but he still plays his part as a good lieutenant. It must be so heartbreaking for him because he's he's used to being you know the apple of Scorpius's eye. Yes, and now he's being dismissed. Like he thinks he's standing up for Scorpius against uh, 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 Crichton, but no, Crichton always gets what he wants. He does in this case. Yes. So I, oh, sorry. Hang on. So one more. Uh, Kind of thing. It's like yep. I noticed in the credits that Tammy Wynette was like as a guest starring. It's like, I guess she's still not a full cast member. Oh, I'm not sure if it was this one or last one. Tammy McIntosh. Sorry, McIntosh. Yes. Uh, Tammy Wynette. That's that's a country singer. <laughs> rather a good one, as I understand. Oh yes. No, I don't know exactly. It's possible. Yeah, her crediting was a bit inconsistent. I think even in the last one, I Yench, you, you Yench, mm-hmm. she wasn't credited at all, okay. which she usually still is, even in episodes where she didn't appear. Right. So, I don't know, maybe some contractual no. inadequacies, because, yeah, as far as we're concerned, she's a regular cast member. Mm. She's been in every episode where she's relevant, same as, uh, same as the rest of the cast. Yeah. So, all right. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so this big, dogging, yeah. this big dogging was necessary. Because John walks in of this carefully negotiated deal with another demand. Ah, yes. The healing of Talon. Grace lays out the demand of full replacement of all cognitive systems and the disarmament, and he has to be brought aboard, and I need these projects, and Bracker bristles. That was not part of the deal. But John says this is... I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. (laughs) No, wait, wrong series again. (laughs) And also, this is chump change. It's not for Grace. It's for me. Yeah. This is an easy give. Yeah. Just, just go on, go on, give it to us. <laughs> yeah, like withholding this at the start is not the, it's not the right move, which is something that he's learned from Scorpius, who's mm. done exactly that. He usually walks into a deal and immediately demands more. Yeah. Because that's a good way to test whether someone wants the deal. 
Bringing a gunship aboard is too much to ask. His weapons have been deactivated. Tex will remove them. He will be reprogrammed and set free. No guns, no peacekeeper memories, no emotional problems. And Kreis gets what he wants. Yes, they agree to bring in Talon. They give them the coordinates where they can find uh, Talon and Moya, which is going to come back to bite them later. Yep. And he uh, requests to be brought to his quarters with full project schematics and a Leviathan expert. Oh, let's say, Lieutenant Lorel. Any particular reason? No, 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 she's the best. Most qualified? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yes, no, nothing, nothing suspicious there at all, no. Although for different reasons than I expected, but, you know. Oh, yeah, that was a good uh, triple cross, wasn't it? It was, it was. Scorpius says that uh, the crew have been invited to enjoy themselves and relax at the officer's mess. Where there's a little soiree, a little mingler... Uh, get to know each other, which turns out to be the atmosphere is like not exactly hospitable. I would say. What a location, though. The ceiling is so tall, yeah. and there's a, a a big sort of eagle crest on the wall. It's it's there's, so ostentatious. I mean, food's been laid out, and I still don't know. The, I mean, there's what those things are. There's, there's brain cabbages or whatever. The whatever the hell are those things that are laying there? What what's a brain cabbage? I don't know. I mean, these things, you know. Like no, I, I'm looking they, at the thing, but you said brain cabbage. Is I mean, that that's, a real thing? I mean, they're kind of like both cabbage-shaped and brain-shaped, so I'm, I don't know. Well, but they're kind of like purple and orange, like so they're like deep-fried like turkeys. I don't know what they're... I can't, oh, you're like, making me hungry. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? Those very, very few occasions that I've, I've made use of like an executive lounge at, a, at an airport. Right. There was, there was one glorious incredibly busy year in my life where I did so much traveling that I actually gained access to the the, the KLM lounge at, mm. uh, at Schiphol and it was great I was still a smoker at the time you had a smoker lounge with just yeah, actual and seats like and air get, and get a place and like load it up with all kinds of snacks and things and yep. free booze little oh, God, yes. yeah I mean, it wasn't, none of it was great, but there sure was a lot. And it was free once you're there. <laughs> there you go. That yeah. sort of reminded me of it here. And there's there's all of these tables where people are, are, are lounging out and absolutely nobody wants to deal with these no, interlopers. There's a little club of three bully-type officers sitting there. There is a sort of first day of high school vibe, isn't there? Very much so. Like, oh, that's the popular kids' table. And now they're like they're sitting there like staring at everybody. Nobody is being feeling particularly welcome. Aaron just like walks up to the bar, grabs a bottle and a couple of glasses. A couple of people whisper like, traitor, and stuff like that. And we get a oh, lot yeah. of that. And, and that's kind of that for that scene. But like, we get the same thing later when there's a walk and talk with Chris and Bracca. And like, they're walking through the uh, corridors on the way to, I don't know what, like his Talon new quarters. Or, 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 oh yeah, his, co- his so quarters. So these right, are yes. this is this may be a little bit confusing, but these are command carrier corridors, but it's basically a redress of the Talon corridors, right? Like could, yeah, that just makes with, sense with different lighting. Yeah, and it's like people are like whispering, like Trace, and people are bumping into Crace, and it's like it's a very interesting, uh, interestingly shot scene of how uh, yeah they. Make it very clear that Chris was not like that popular, and definitely not anymore now that Since after his defection. Dis- yeah. Yes. I wonder if they get special training in passive aggression. <laughs> like, it's not much passive about it. No, but like you've got to make sure that you're at least three quarters out of their field of view before you can whisper your insult, and make sure it's no more than two syllables. Yeah. So traitor. <laughs> A defector? Oh, that's iffy. That's iffy. Yeah, that's long. And if there's, uh, you know, if there's a superior officer there, make sure that you only pass on the other side, and then you can whisper it. Like, I'm sure that there's all kinds of regulations about how you can bitch someone out. There might be a training course. It's probably like in, in when you go to officer corps training that you get that. 
Oh, yeah. Erin was an officer. She would have been in the mess before. Oh. If it was the officer's mess, but... Was she now? I mean, pilots... I mean, Officer Sun. Officer Sun. Officer Sun. Officer Sun. Officer Sun. Officer Sun. I mean, that's like flyboys are usually like at least lieutenant. Like, you don't... You're not a grunt if they give you a, a, a plane. Yeah, that is true, yeah. isn't it? Pilots yeah. are officer rank. Yes. Hmm. I mean, you don't have grunt pilots. That's is that true of all branches of the military? I mean, well, no. I'm talking about U.S. Na- uh, military here. And like, there's three with planes. There's the the uh, oh the Air Force, the Navy, and the Marines have their own. The Marines own. are in a part of the Navy. Oh yeah. Okay. So you've got the yeah, the largest air force in the world is the U.S. Air Force. Yeah. The second largest air force in the world is the U.S. Navy. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know most of the most of my knowledge about the U.S. Navy comes from the television series Space Above and Beyond. Fair, yeah, fair, fair. But yes, yeah. uh, I mean, flyboys are always like officers. Commander Crichton. Commander Crichton. Commander Crichton. Commander Crichton. Well, you're looking pretty sharp there, Commander Crichton. Crichton doesn't suffer a much better fate. He's introduced to the gigantic lab hangar, the science uh, Bay, the science yes. department, yeah, where Kokura Strapa, ooh, so much data. Oh, yes. Oh, we're going to have so much fun. He's excited to have you working for me. I'm delighted to have you assisting us. We've prepared you a, a workstation. Tell me what you require. I'll have someone obtain it for you. And it's a little control station that faces a wall and it's down the stairs. And Crichton sort of grabs the, 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 the bar stool from it, walks up the stairs. Throws it back on there. Even sort of nudges Braca, or, or, or Strapa aside. You stand aside. I'm going to do something dramatic. I need a swing. Here we go. <laughs> and... I don't assist. And smashes it and turns to Scorpius. I'm not sitting at the kiddie table. Now you either give me the big toys or you send me home. Love that. Give me the full access to the big stuff. Yep. Yeah, you want me to work? Let's work. Oh, I remember. Oh, I'm going to paraphrase it. It was a joke that I learned from the newsroom, a very good series. And it was about Jesus, Moses, and Muhammad are golfing. Mm-hmm. And like Moses strikes his ball and it's pretty wide. You know, it heads into the woods, but then the woods grow vines that sort of divert the uh, the river that feeds the pond and that sort of carries the ball to the hole, and it's a hole in one. And then it's Muhammad's turn. And he hits it really hard, overshoots the mark, but then an eagle, caca, comes out of nowhere, snatches it out of the air and drops it into the hole, and it's a hole in one. And then Jesus turns to uh, Moses and to, to Muhammad and says, are we going to play golf or are we going to fuck around? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so he's here to play golf. I came to work. For or against me? And then, what? Well, like, there's a lot of cutting back and forth between locations. Now, Chris is in his quarters. Yes. And I immediately recognized this as, do you remember where Jelena and Chiana were in, back in, I think it was Nerve, when they were infiltrating uh, Scorpius's Gamak base. Yes, I actually have that written down as Yes, you saw it as yes, well. I saw it like, this is like the one of those quarters. The like, weird it's, it's, sort of corridor with the, the pipes. Cor- corridor the... in the middle of the room where they... Yeah, they're yeah. padding. I, I was like, oh, this is a reuse of that Gamak base set. It's, it's very yeah, clear that that it's was... It's so... Like, I'm starting to think, is that maybe... Oh, no, none of the padding is on the ground, so it's off to the cardinal corners. Well, Bracca says like, it's, it's better than a cell, so I, but I get the impression that they put him in like a, a lower-ranking... Oh, yeah. Uh, quarters. It's and not Chris is completely above it. Yeah. He's right? like, whatever. Not as salubrious as your previous accommodations. 
Still, considering the fact you should be in our brig, I suppose you can't complain. Don't bother searching for surveillance. You're not that important. <laughs> he doesn't even dignify it with an answer. Hey, I wonder if that sort of tunnel is for recreating. Oh. If that's where you can sort of turn off the gravity with however many of you oh, there are. that sounds complicated. I don't want to say f*** bench, but I kind of mean a f*** bench. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, the sex in zero-g would be really difficult because of the whole action and reaction stuff, and you don't have to... That's why you do it in a tunnel. Then you've got lots of options. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, <laughs> anyway... Before yeah. we digress too Crazy. far. It's <laughs> totally stone-faced to, to, to Bracca. And even as Bracca is snidely, you know, I mean, he's taken officer-level courses in passive aggression, uh, snidely insulting Crace, Crace turns around and says, Lieutenant Bracca, I predicted your rise in this organization. I stand by that prediction. Mm. You are a consummate peacekeeper. Yeah. And Bracca doesn't really know what to do with that. No. He's just like, wait, why am I getting complimented? It's like... <laughs> yeah, but I... You think that's a burn, but I don't. And which of us is wrong? I didn't even catch it as a burn. Well, someone who's turned his back on the peacekeepers calling someone a peacekeeper? A consummate peacekeeper? peacekeeper? Mm. Yeah, maybe. It's not something that Chris respects anymore, right? Mm, ooh. I'm not entirely sure. I think, like... I mean, really? he, made his, he made his bed and he lies in it, but I don't know if he, like, still doesn't think that the peacekeepers have a, uh, have a merit to them. But he bonded with... I mean, he's spoken that he's, that he's bonded with Talon over their mutual trauma at the hands of the, the peacekeepers and oh, the peacekeeper th treatment of their parents. I mean, I suppose there's like, yeah, there's a lot of parallels between Talon and Crace in how they uh, got uh, reft away from their Grace parents into... exploited that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. To uh, work for the peacekeepers. No, 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 you have a point there, I agree. This is too weird being here. How long were you a prisoner? Eight cycles. And you were born, he grew up within these walls. It must have been awful. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the officer's lounge, there's a little bit of back and forth. And Jewel was going like, oh, you grew up here? This must have been terrible. Because it's like a su super hostile environment to them. Yeah. And of course, like, Aaron never experienced it in that way. We, which no. we actually see in a flashback where we see the, the three bullies at the table, which suddenly turn into her. Uh, a lady who I still cannot place. She reminds me of someone, and I have no idea who it is. So it's uh, another short-haired woman. It's a popular hairstyle. Yeah. Uh, this woman, this is a different one than the other one. So yeah. this is Henta. Yeah. I don't remember her uh, her surname. <clears throat> but she reminds me of something. The actress is like, it might just be like in a few of the scenes where she's acting. She's wearing a tank top, so she has short hair. So maybe Starbuck from Battlestar. Yeah, I know what you think, but not that's not quite, where I was going. It was a, it's almost British accent that... Oh, is it? I mean, more British than uh, normal. It's like... I mean, she's, she doesn't speak with a Bogan accent, which is mm. also a fine, lovely accent. Yes. I, I, I love... But yeah, they have her, accents like but that. But we have her, and, we, and she actually comes back very shortly afterwards. Uh, we see her, like, laughing with Erin. Yeah, she gives her almost... Uh, it's cruel. For the love of Cholak... I heard you were here, but I didn't believe it. Will you have a drink with me? Thank you. She she also took the advanced course in passive aggression. Yes. Giving her a sense of, of security and like, will you drink with me? And she grabs the cup and then she tosses it in Aaron's face. Oh. But I only drink with peacekeepers. <laughs> Which at first I thought was just her 
not wanting to like i mean i, I immediately got like past relationship sensation between right. her in in the chemistry between aaron and uh what's, what did you say her name was henta i'm gonna write that down yeah because that name's gonna come up a few more times i mean they certainly they appear to be very good friends yes exactly this is a very good friend when she throws the water in her face and walks off or i don't know what it is then i got like okay she's kind of like protecting herself she would she doesn't want to be because everybody in the room is oh, very yeah. uh, very negative towards the people sitting here and she doesn't want to be seen as being friendly you know it's like you don't want to yeah. be you don't want to be the the kid who is friendly to the kid who's being bullied because then you're going to get bullied as well ah but that's a that's a cowardly move and unworthy of respect and, i know but it might have been no have, i get it i get it yeah. but that would sort of set her character up as, as as different i mean she can be principled and stand for what she uh, what she right. believes or she can be which we get later. She actually believes that Aaron was a traitor, and they have a few discussions about this later oh, on in yeah. the episode. Am I a traitor? Well, that depends upon your definition. Define it how you like. You're the one who left. Chiana, in the meantime, starts, starts putting on the old Chiana uh, charm. Chiana, I think we should be moving along. We're just getting to know each other. I know exactly what you are. Huh? An Abari Trelk. Oh. And the Luxana took a Sebastian wife and then murdered her. Dargo, we didn't come here to fight. No. I wouldn't dream of it. Exactly what she tried back in the Gamak base. Yes. And works, Two seasons ago. Works a lot less than it did back then. Because now people yeah. are like, oh, we're onto yours, a little uh, Nibari Trowl. As I believe the Trouk, zoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trouk, that's it. That's See, it. I wonder if the difference there is the other one was a was a gamma base was a was a space station and would have had no, it was a secret gamma base, yeah. so they wouldn't have had more more exposure. Well, they did talk about uh, uh, oh, he has a non regulation server. Bootshine captain got a non reg server like your board. Guess he's not as big a nerf as I thought he was. Yeah. So they might have seen more non sebations coming through. Whereas, like, the strict purity and racism... Like, I almost get the feeling, like, command carriers... Like, life on the command carrier is canonical peacekeeper life. And anyone who grows up off a command carrier is almost, like, colonial. Right. Plus, there's the whole, like, irreversible contamination, which is, like, just the fact that these... People who can contaminate you apparently are walking around on the command carrier is a bit of an offense on its own. Yeah, absolutely true. Like, here is a walking, talking cootie. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> You're no, being flirted no. with by our cootie. Yes. <laughs> and Dargo sort of comes to her aid, and everyone sort of strives to, tries to diffuse the situation. It's Aaron who goes up, hey, Dargo, we didn't come here to fight. No. Which I really like this scene because he wasn't just sort of standing up out of out of machismo. He was he was standing up for his friend. They yes. they have arrived at a new at a new situation, and it's a complicated situation where everybody has to remind each other. Okay, these are the priorities that we have. Weigh them, and make sure that everything goes the right way. Yes. Well, I mean, it can mean that for Dargo, yeah, this deal is not worth the offense to Chiana, and then we'd stand with Dargo. Like we stand with each other there, but let's definitely weigh it. Yeah. Uh, it all gets diffused a bit when Bracca shows up. Ah, oh, Bracca. 
yeah. and everybody starts making like demands of Braco, or at least like what happened to the deal that we had. Because Dargo and Rigel have been on the command carrier since the diner. Yes. They went with them, and they, they had certain components of the deal, like, you owe me a political breakdown of Hyneria. Braca gives him a little uh, data carrier, which apparently contains the uh, current political situation of the Hynerian Empire. Rigel's uh, quite pleased, although the food could be better. Yes. And uh, apparently Dargo had a few demands as well, like one, a surgery, which he's apparently entitled to undergo whenever he wants to, and two, information about someone called Macton? Macton? Macton. Macton, I go. I don't think I've heard that name before, but you know how I am with names. I do, which is why I'll happily tell you. Yeah. Macton Tal was the name of his wife's murderer. Ah, Remember way back when? Is his name Macton? Macton Tal. His Sebastian wife, Lolan, uh, her brother was a peacekeeper, Mm -hmm. and he killed his own sister out of disgust for having a child. Yes, exactly. uh, Which, I mean, it literally gets thrown in his face at some point during this episode where, I don't know who it is, but someone says like, oh, yes, married a peacekeeper and then killed her. Yep. Uh, Yep. I think it's one of the bullies who, who says that. Which is still the prevailing, you know, uh, yeah. a, a myth that's being perpetrated. But he's insisted on on getting information about Macdonald's current whereabouts and uh, and status unknown, or at least not well, not not revealed to the uh, the watcher, the viewer. For uh, there's only one reason that Dargo would ask for that, which is to pay him a visit. Yes, true. Yeah, he's true. got a he's got a new crusade. Uh, so yes, that's uh, that's Macton, and I know I'm sure a lot of people missed that because it's a name that was mentioned in season one and then right. never again. But a lot of people, myself included, flocked to the interwebs and to, to see just a, Macton, who was Macton. Macton? Oh, yes. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Drink in Aaron's face and John is at work. He's uh, poking yes. around. They've got this cool little screen that looks like a transparent screen, but it's actually just a, a sheet of uh, semi-transparent With plastic. a projector pointing to at it, yeah. I, I didn't completely know for sure that that was the case. I thought maybe, had they taken an LCD screen and somehow taken the backing off of it? Which would, yeah, be but you still, yeah, but you, then you have to, still have to light it. No. Yeah. So, okay, let, let's just quickly, well, not quickly, but let's just summarize this engagement, because this is like a, a threat that's going to come back a few more times. Yeah. Basically, John is stalling. John is talking to our uh, scientist friend, and he is, like, stalling the work on the wormhole. Yeah, under the guise of being limited. Like, any yes. time that they place any kind of limitation, he throws a fit and he refuses to continue. Like, give me the big toys. Yes. Give, uh, me, give me access to this. I want access to that. Show me the data. Show me what you have. That you got from the neural chip, and we'll compare that to Linfer's. And every time Strapa goes, but they're super, super classified. And- and uh, Scorpius goes like, yes, give it to him. Like, yeah, as you said Scorpius earlier. Says, yeah, give it to him. <laughs> give it to him. As you said earlier, it's like it's, it's the reversal of roles, basically. Keep making more demands and keep seeing how far the other person will back off. Yeah. And even then, he is still not cooperating. He's like, he's talking to Aaron at some point and they're talking, uh, saying like, oh, well, yeah, I see like half a dozen ways that I can like stall their research for cycles. Destroy everything, yeah. which he hasn't seen a delete button yet. And no. he's using the big toys. So that was the initial uh, yep. phase of his plan. Plan B is... Steer him in the wrong direction, except I don't know which way that is. Mm. And, and C... Plan C is like, run. Forget about the plan and run yeah. away. And she asked him, like, are you serious? Oh, yes. We're about to get to exactly that scene. Because oh, yes, we, we got are. to yes. Dargo, who's sitting in an obstetric chair... 
Oh, I don't know. It's just, I think, more and more of a dentist chair, actually. Yeah, yes. and a surgeon is performing surgery on him with... With bolt cutters. How's the pain? I can increase the anesthetic mist. You doing all right, big guy? Well enough. Only just taking slightly longer than I expected. My apologies. These rings weren't designed to be removed. Yeah, and all of his friends sort of standing around the chair. I like that. I mean, so we are in the surgery saw now. And yeah. like it, which seems to be a communal affair there, where people just go and hang out, and yeah, yeah. So it's finally the finally the rings that are th- going through his clavicle are being removed, and it turns out they're not actually going behind his clavicle, but they're actually attached to his clavicle. It seems. Yeah, because like, as they're as they're being removed, there's chunks of bone still. And, on yeah, the they're kind of like ho- more horseshoe shaped. It ma- sort of makes sense that there was some method to fuse the yeah. ends to the bone rather than piercing it. I mean, I, I always thought they went just behind the bone, which seems, to make, which seems to make more sense. But I mean, going through them would weaken the bone and then it would be easier to break. Yeah. Uh, the surgeon actually says they were actually not designed to be removed. So it takes a bit Very of uh, pain and discomfort. And then after they're gone, you're like, yeah, just go sit over there in the, in the, in the healing mist, which where everybody else is as well. And they're wearing these like cool, glittery, I don't know, sauna robes, whatever they are. Beautiful silver pajamas, yeah. which, hey, John. How did you take off your leather jacket with that gigantic bracelet? Oh. Ooh. How did you get into these pajamas, John? <laughs> did you cut up your jacket? Oh, what no, a waste. That wouldn't do. Hmm, interesting point. I had not considered that, but yes. <laughs> uh, apparently, neither did anyone else. No. Like, it's one of those things that, that comes up on the message board and everybody goes, yeah. Well, I had other stuff to worry about. <laughs> Wardrobe, well, not malfunction, but uh, yes. I mean, I, I noticed that Jules' hair is still red at this point, so I guess they just went for the full red wig, or just like at least her adrenaline levels haven't returned to normal yet. I kind of like that, that throughout this you see... I mean, the, when she when she said, like, oh, this must have been an awful place to grow up, what was your university like? <laughs> this must be so, so familiar. Like, I was... Fair point, yeah. I mean, I went to I went to university in Amsterdam, and I had a very chill sort of educational upbringing. Yeah, and even I remember the sort of intimidation of like different tables with people that you don't know and social structures that seem to already be in place that you're late to the party to, and expectations and like this should be incredibly familiar to her. But okay, apparently she's still feeling low level anxiety, which I guess sort of suggests that she's very comfortable with Moya now because her hair's been suppose, consistently yeah. brown. So they are. She's chilling with uh, Dargo, and yeah, one of the goons shows up because like the goons this are having is a so bizarre. They're having a little uh, to, to get together, and they go like, "Oh well, we don't like them, and what are we going to do about them?" And yeah, it's back in the mess. There's this officer Regelik, I think his name is. Yeah, Orelgic. He's the guy with the scar. Lieutenant Relgic. We were just getting to know each other. Yes, the one who refused uh, Chiana's advances. Yes, and then we've got the moustache guy. Yeah, I don't think he's got a name. I've seen a name as Mr. Buzzsaw. Right, because apparently he still has a little thing left from one war or the other, (laughs) which is like a, you know, strap-on arm that he puts over his regular arm, because like in the scene before, we can clearly see that he has like two regular arms. Yeah. How the frell can Scorpius allow that Luxon on board? Can't stand Luxons. Never could. Me neither. Looking down his ugly nose at us. Like to wipe that sneer off his face. So would I. You know what might give him a good scare? Have you still got that 
thing they built for you for the Battle of Stellaro. <laughs> and so and- he's got this tactical bra and, uh, and a sort of arm sheath. Well, I mean, he's got a... No, I agree. He looks like, and I know that I've mentioned this before on other podcasts, he looks like Sean Connery in Zardoz. Yes. A famous science fiction well, masterpiece. Famous, yeah, well, infamous. Not, not that much of a masterpiece either, but yeah. Where Sean Connery wears a space gunslinger mankini, essentially. Yes. It's fantastic. It's he sublime. Looks great. But yes, he goes, shows up with his buzzsaw attachment on his arm, has a wee fight What's with... What's the fucking point of this? I have no idea what they were thinking. Because like, they, they clearly know that they're defying orders because these people have been awarded full guest status and diplomatic status by yeah. Scorpius. So I don't know what the frell they're thinking. Well, he... I, I mean, I think Reglik, Relgic got the other guy a little drunk and yeah. riled up. And, like, if it's an accident, if it's a mistake by an inferior officer, then, you know, what would give him a little scare? He even calls it a little scare. That doesn't look like how you scare someone. No. Waving a buzzsaw there's at a little bit. Yeah, there's a bit of fight in the uh, in the health sauna. Ends up with... Uh, Lovely stairs. The guy... I mean, it, it kind of looks like one of those, like, uh, American gladiator arenas, you know, with all the black and... Uh, <laughs> with all, the, uh, all the padding, yeah. Yeah, that too. <laughs> and even though, despite that, uh, Dargo beats him in the fight and tries to save him at the last moment from falling over the edge, he still ends up teetering over, landing on his own bus saw. Yeah. Like, Dargo tried to save him, and then the, the Mr. Bussell swung at his arm, and yeah. he had to let go, and he fell on his own... But so, uh, that just then, Mr. Relk and a uh, little squad show up, and he goes like, oh, this is interesting. Almost like he's going, going to try to turn to this into like, oh, you killed and assaulted one of ours. Despite that is the fact definitely that, what he was going for. Yeah, but that's not how you're going to work that. Like, what is he doing Like with the buzzsaw in the sauna? It's like, like he how thought you, that he uh, could play that to, uh, the, to their advantage. that's like, stupid. John, now you know what stupidity I have to deal with. You must not fail. It is a little bit stupid. That's what Scorpius explains to him as he's uh, immediately dressed down. Like the next time that one of your subordinates attacks one of my guests, there will be two executions. Yeah, there's yours. yours. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, Scorp again. Even even if this wasn't such an obvious stupid situation, Scorpius is like way too clever to like be uh, caught yeah. out by this. So it's like yeah. I don't know what Ralph was thinking. It's like there's no way he could have turned this into an a advantageous situation of his own. Well, there's it's... a reason that he's not polishing yeah. Scorpius's boots, but Braca is. Fair point. The relief that Dargo feels when the when the rings are out, like even, even as painful as the operation was through mm. the anesthetic mist, there's such a, a relief to have them out. Whew. I know, there's a, there's a lot going on. There's another conversation between Aaron and Henta. Right. It's a really talky episode, this. It is. It's, um, it's, it's carried by fantastic locations, a stupendous sense of production value, and lots of conversations that build in different directions. Like, the, the next up comes Crace talking to Lorel. Well, let, let, let's deal with the Henta and, Henta and Aaron situation first. Like, okay, basically they have like two, three or four points during this episode. They talk about Aaron's journey. Yeah. Uh, how she basically turned, got turned away from the peacekeepers. And I mean, she gets accused of deserting by Henta. And she goes like, well... Oh, betraying. Betraying. Betraying, and then, and, then, yes. and then Aaron says, well, a deserter, more technically. At, at most, a deserter. Because, <laughs> I mean, okay, so the argument that Henta throws at her is like, well... Crace turned you away, but then after Crace left, you could have come back because now Crace was no longer 
uh, in command. And she goes like, well, I got, I got declared irrevocably contaminated. And it doesn't really sound like that's something that would be turned around easily just because the commander who did it got turned away. I mean, do you feel that Erin made that argument? Because I don't think she did. I think that Erin sees that she could have returned as well. You could have come back. It was too late then. You think you didn't have a choice? I didn't want to come back. But then she admits that like she didn't want to at that point. So Which there's is a difference. the truth. But it can both be true. No, oh, oh yeah. yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I think that Erin knows that. I think that Erin knows that she could have returned, that that was an option that was over, open to her. Because by, by, by the time that they reached the asteroid field at the mm-hmm. end of season one and Grace defected, yeah. She knew that Grace had been operating illegally for right. quite some time. Yes. And that her dismissal could be administratively reversed yeah. because it was a decision of I right? suppose, I suppose at the time at the time I wouldn't have said that. Because at that point I had a different point of view of the peacekeepers. But yes, also, after, after all the things we've seen with uh Aaron's mom and how things have like that gone, like yeah, there would have been an option for a an uncontamination, you know? It's like, okay, yes, you've been declared permanently yeah. contaminated, but, you know, it's not as irrevocably as we said. Like, we, things can, amends can be made, you know? Like many military organizations, they value their their personnel a lot more than they let on. Right, yeah. Right? An officer like, uh, like Aaron or like Zalax is hugely valuable, and while they can be very strict, it's not something that they will just do away with if they can avoid it. Yeah. No, very true. So that's but that, so that's an interesting thing. It doesn't really go much further than that, I believe, other than that they seem to like get yeah. a little closer to each other's point of view on this matter. Because yeah. uh, Hentai Aaron, really sees her as a traitor, and Aaron nuances that a little bit. She's honest and, and and open in a way that I don't think she could have been before, like season three. Honestly, no, no, totally not. Lieutenant, Captain, no longer. What were you told? Only to assist you is required. And are you displeased with this assignment? Why would I be? Working with someone who has lost his command. Scorpius stole your command. I knew he squeezed you out of power. What else do you know? That even though you left without a word, I never changed my feelings for you. Now we get to the scene where Crace and his Leviathan technician specialist... Officer Laurel, yeah. Yes. Who, who turns out to be one of Grace's old squeezes. The thing that they say to each other is, I don't hate you. I don't hate you I either. That and must be, that must be, I've got that, I've literally got that written down. It's like, that's a P- PK declaration of love here. It's like, it's like, it's like the Finns. It's like, they don't say I love you. I say, I hate you the least. <laughs> that's mean to the Finns. And their, and their, and their sort of cultural value of sisu, and their enjoyment occasionally of breakfast croissants. Yes. <laughs> because they apparently had a relationship, and a, a sort of an extra recreational relationship yes. that, that inferred affection. Ooh, so that's, he, le- that's against regulations. Yeah. Can't have that. For both of them. But... She, I mean, she admits, oh... Scorpius. He knows about our past. He put me in the Aurora chair, found out everything... He said if I didn't spy on you, he'd destroy me. It's as I expected. Everyone who knew me would be coerced into spying. 
but I'm totally not spying on and you. And I was totally hating you after you left, but now that I realize that I missed you anyway, and I want to be with you again. And and as we learn, like, what two scenes later is like, like, back I know. goes, like, did he buy it? And he believed your confession? Yes. He trusts me completely. She says to Brock, like, that's how. Wow. She did not take the advanced course in duplicity, I think. <laughs> no. Grace certainly did. But that sort of that sort of declaration, it reminded me of, of one of my favorite lines from uh, Nacho Libre with Jack Black and a bunch of other fantastic actors where the, yeah. the character Escoleto says, I used to hate orphans, but now I love them. <laughs> Just the extremity of both those really pointless statements that you consider very... Sincere and profound, yes. Yeah, that reminded me of them. I don't hate you. Well, I don't hate you either. I love orphans now. <laughs> okay, yeah. so there's more of of Crichton sort of exploring the data yes. that uh, uh, that Strapper is presenting, and Scorpius is getting impatient. So I guess we're supposed to infer that quite some time has passed. I mean, yeah. we don't know if it's hours or days, and it kind of doesn't matter. No, it doesn't for the scale. No. Like, it could be weeks at this point, and it still wouldn't matter for the scale because nothing else is happening, and it's just this. No. Scorpius knows how tenuous the situation is, and in fact, a lot more than even we do at this point. Well, yes, because he's, like, agreeing to, like, we need to hurry up, you know, we need to hurry up, we need to get this wormhole technology working. And there's a bit of a tech blah, blah, blah about why it isn't, and, like, mostly about formulas and extrapolations and stuff like that. Uh, and it actually cuts to a scene of John and Harvey. We get the second black and white scene in this uh, yep. episode. Back where- in the truck. Yep. Hanging out, smoking. I love how Harvey... I mean, he's basically a sort of cosplayer, right? He wears he wears fantasy-appropriate outfits whenever he can, but he's still got the Scorpius... Outfit like- underneath, yes. He's, like, so he's, he's still the Scorpius outfit, but with a you know, U.S. Army uniform over it. Yeah, he's got a GI helmet that he puts on with with great uh, sort of joy. He loves dress-up. I guess so, yes. Oh, turn back, John. Shut up, Private, we're going in. I mean, I guess he gotten used to it in, like, being in John's mind and being subject to John's whims when it comes to that sort of thing. And, like, it's beats getting stuffed in the dumpster. And I guess this is his world now. My world is this mind with all this stuff in it. I'm just going to enjoy it yeah. and have fun with it. Even more fun than the person whose mind it is. Because he also tells tells John, yeah, you've been lying to Scorpius, thanks to me. I've been normalizing your energy fields. Yes, I thought that was a really cool uh, thing. Like, yeah. he, used, he didn't used to be able to lie to Scorpius. And, no one could. Yeah, and now uh, Harvey's been controlling that. So this is again a hint that Harvey is at least playing John's side for the time being. Yeah, because that's where he keeps all his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And then we cut to this gigantic hangar. Yeah, You've got little people walking around, and there's Talon. Oh, it's magnificent. Just floating above them. That's uh, being brought in, yes. Yeah. We get a first good look of the scale that Talon really is on. Yeah. He's being brought in, and they're like, going to go to town on him. And uh, Oi! Well... That's what they're going to do. They're going to strip his guns. They're going to like basically re- remove all of the uh, peacekeeper uh, programming and other things. And okay, but we have a friend who recently went in for surgery for a, for a hernia for an, a medical yeah. intervention. You don't say that, you know, some some butcher went to town on his spine. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and then we get further confirmation of just the tremendous scale, scale. of this command carrier. Yes, because there's like this park which they they've got got a cool scene where they like go through a. 
doorway and then they kind of have the hint of the like these overhead ribs and they kind of walk in and there's a monument up. there yeah and then after that everything's just shot in a park welcome to sydney centennial park ah, where yes. they filmed in a morning where there was an extraordinary amount of mist and the special effects people went yay yay <laughs> this is gonna work so great <laughs> It was really, really kind of surreal. Like, it was meant to be much more sun-dappled, but mm. for production reasons, they could only film in the morning and not in the evening. So, yeah, they they sort of hang around here. And you see children. Yes, well, I mean, this apparently is a, a training exercise area for, like, combat simulations. Yes, and there's planetary about f- simulations. And there's about 40 of them across the car here. Yeah. And this place is huge, yes. And they use them just for, okay, this is an urban environment, and this is a, 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 a sort of a, 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 right. a sylvan environment. And now apparently they're just like having a little walk around, because, I mean, I guess it makes sense to let them like use it to experience a pleasant bit of nature. Yeah, yeah. While people aren't combat training like it. The- Parade grounds. They're also used for drills sometimes, but only certain areas and the rest are fine to walk through. This sort of further emphasizes for me the idea that that Aaron may have never set foot on a planet for right. the first decades of her yeah, life. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially as you can see there's PK children running around there. Yeah. I mean, okay, when she was in Australia, then not her, because it wasn't actual Australia, but still, as far as she was concerned, she was on the planet. Wait, what are you saying? Uh, in, in the episode where uh, the aliens are trying to... Uh, the ancient oh, ones are oh trying a to human pick. reaction. That's yes. the one, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that must have been familiar to her. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would have been her thinking that she was on the planet. We know that she didn't know about rain. Rain. Is that what you call this? I like it. Uh, yes, that's right. That must be something that they can't simulate here. <laughs> I guess not, no. Ah, Something to inform them about, to improve their training. But yeah, they've chosen this location, which, like the, the sort of the surgical sauna, spa, yes, yeah. yes, is apparently an area which cannot be monitored very well, tricky, or at all. Tricky, yes. or whatever, because they need, they need to talk about... Crichton is actually starting to doubt his mission. Mm. He's not sure that he should be sabotaging... Scorpius, because Scorpius is acting very sincere. Yes. And the Scarens are indeed a huge problem. So that's something that I actually noticed, and we, we hear in the right at the beginning of the episode that mm. apparently the Scarens outnumbered the peacekeepers 10 to 1. Yes, we learned that in, uh, in Incubator. And they're also much stronger soldiers. So why haven't they like, run them underfoot already? Which is why I don't understand. Like one Scaren is easy, an easy match for several peacekeepers. And they outnumber them 10 to 1. Yeah, but... That sounds like a superior force. It is a superior force. It definitely is a superior force, but it is in the interest of a superior force to still choose the path of least loss. Fair. And a direct conflict. I mean, okay, you've got principle of mass, so uh, a superior force 10 to 1 is not even going to lose 10% of its forces, but that's still a significant investment that Mm -hmm. you can't make elsewhere. You still... I mean, if it's whole civilization to whole civilization, but... The Scarens may have other polities that they want to conquer more than okay. the peacekeepers right now. Right? Possible, but I mean, yes. Well, I wouldn't uh, who knows? lightly, but yeah. Who knows what's on the other side of Scaren territory Fair. that they're dealing no. with that the PKs never learn no. about, or who okay. knows how yeah. that works. I mean, the discussion of politics is very relevant because Rigel is scanning this galaxy map. Hey, we've got a chief of the galaxy map here. Oh? Do yeah, we? look at that, look at oh, that. Yeah, After yeah. the park, there's oh, a... Yeah, there's yeah. a and it sort of reminds me of like Namtar had a sort of hologram yes. way back in DNA Mad Scientist. Is that our galaxy? 
Um, I mean, it looks like a spiral galaxy with two arms. Yeah, so it could could be, could not be. I mean, yeah. we learn at the end of the episode that uh, Earth is sixty arms at full speed. Cycles. Sorry, sixty cycles. Yes. Yeah. Cycles. Yes. So we don't know what full speed is. That it's like extra galactic. H one hundred. Who knows? I don't know. But Ryder is really excited to find out that Oren wasn't lying. By the Hynerian gods, Oren wasn't lying. Bishan's in disfavor. <laughs> if I returned, I could muster up an army, incite an uprising, and restore myself to power. <laughs> that Bishan is in disfavor, and... Uh, uh, four of the six core planets is uh, trending negative or something. Home worlds. Uh, How many it, home yes. worlds does a species have? You'd think only one, but you know it might be so old at this point that they consider them that they don't know which one was the original. Or maybe they were even a, a, a multiplanetary species before they became a sentient species. I mean, I don't understand how, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. maybe multiplanetary reproduction or or migration through some. some yeah, means. I mean, it's possible. These, but not interesting to you as a science nerd. Okay, fine. No. I can see it now. The serried ranks of my supporters. Ranger. Ranger. I mean, okay. I mean, the, the only, the only, the, no, it is completely uninteresting because the only answer to it is whatever the the plot writers come up with. That's never stopped us from having 25 minute digressions <laughs> before, Kay, and you know it. By this time, Jewel Chi and Chiana and Dargo have returned to Moya. Yes. After Mr. Buzzsaw's attack, they decided, okay, the fewer of us that there are here, yes. the less Bracca chance. Bracca protests against this because it also gives them less hold on John and the remaining people. And Scorpius is desperately holding the deal together. Yes, yes, anyone can leave. We hope that you won't. Please do. Let's just continue the work. It's yes. so important. But while on board, on board Moya, Chiana has another vision of a pilot screaming, and shortly after, he does indeed. Because there's an, a new retrieval squad shows up. Moya immediately tries to uh, starburst. And just before they make it out, they get uh, stun-shotted. Peacekeeper ships! A marauder and two prowlers, approaching fast. Another retrieval squad? Probably Scorpius. Starburst now, pilot. Yes! Prepare for immediate starburst. Oh my god, the, the the beautiful sort of shot of Moya's skin illuminating and then it being interrupted just before she can finish by this by yes. this beam. No, I I know that sounded like a rude thing, but that wasn't what I meant. <laughs> sparks fly everywhere. Pilot, oh, he screams and there's and there's more sparks and and it's utterly disastrous. We cut back to Moya's son where Laurel is just awestruck. Absolutely her breath is taken yes, away. Yeah, she gets her first look at Talon, and she's, like, amazed at what Talon looks like. Oh, I wish she would have said the same, like, Carl Tanavachi Voco, which, the fact that she doesn't sort of suggests to me that that may have been Crace's native language. Like his, oh, right, yes. His non-peacekeeper language from yeah. the, the farm where he grew yeah. up. Oh, yes, no, here's where there's the conversation with uh, Aaron and Henta. Yeah. Cut back to Crichton and Strappa. Yeah, we've kind of covered this. There's a lot of back and forth between these scenes, and we've kind of, like, I think, talked about, like, how they play out. 
There's two fun bits here in this conversation yes. with uh, Crichton and Strapper, and one of them was Linfer. Mm-hmm. That Crichton mentioned that he knew her yes. briefly while she was there, and Strapper was clearly quite smitten with yes. that scientist. Um, like, yeah, I mean, he mentioned that she got. I mean, right at the beginning, there's talk about like the liquefaction of the pilots, and uh, Strapper is like, "Oh, you know about that?" And it's like, "Yeah, it happened to Linfer shortly after she arrived." Oh, did you see Scorpius's face when he heard that Linfer was dead? Oh, I don't recall. No, he looked disappointed. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess he would have wanted her to like live because, like, you know, great scientist. Yeah, and maybe also like a, a traitor or... Uh, that's not even what I read. I, I, I thought it was just like a regret that such a brilliant light had gone out. Right, exactly that, yeah. Linfer suggested this formula. I disagreed. You two argue a lot? She was a great mind and a, a tragic loss. Yeah, I really didn't get a chance to know her. But I liked her. And you obviously liked her. That's good. However, things are about to change. Yeah, because Crichton just has an inkling. He just has an inkling. Wait, that's not right. This is wrong. Would you see a flaw in her extrapolation? Just a hunch. That's not right. But there is another way to go. But before he can elaborate, he hears, Whoa, what's happening? Moya has been captured. And is being brought in. And what's what's going on? And Scorpius starts. Uh, Scorpius isn't there to answer any questions and rushes down to the the command deck, and we are introduced to Commandant Milon Grazer. And you must be the infamous John Crichton. Infamous. Milon Grazer. Grazer is her name. Grazer. Okay. Another short haired peacekeeper woman. This time with piercing blue eyes. Looks a bit. Looks a bit like a Romulan. Oh, sorry. I see what you mean. With the, the, the haircut. I mean, she yeah. has a very Roman haircut. See, originally, the design that Dave Elsie had for this character was essentially like Queen Elizabeth. Mm. Very severe. Very, yeah, I guess we would say, uh, a Queen Amidala. Right. But then Rebecca Riggs was cast, a fantastic Australian access, actress. I should have remembered where I know her from, but like she's, she's tremendous. And in fact, Anthony Simcoe, who's known her for years, was delighted that it sort of feels like oh, we're getting nice. the whole band back together. Ah. Like first they brought in Tammy, who was his flatmate back in the day, and now Rebecca Riggs, and they performed together. And she approaches Officer Reljik, whose name is Reljik or yeah. whatever, and praises him for fulfilling her order to seize Moya. Because it wasn't Scorpius's order, it no. was hers. Commandant Milon Greza apparently can issue those orders. I mean, they sent out a retrieval squad, I guess. So, yeah. yes, Aaron and John immediately go uh, trying to find out what the frell is going on here. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. really complicated uh, because Dargo and Jewel and Chiana are now back on board the yes. command carrier. Uh, Scorpius goes to sort it out with Grazer, who introduces him to the th- third and a half Luxon that, that we've seen, seen so yes. far. This gamut project is under my authority. Your authority is not absolute, Scorpius. Let me introduce Cortosco, special Luxon ambassador. The Luxons have signed a defense agreement with the Peacekeepers. I have been sent to promote other such alliances, but half the planets I visit fear Peacekeepers. The other half laugh at us for our simple inability to capture a handful of escaped prisoners whose exploits are becoming legendary. Why should we care what insignificant systems think? 
He looks a lot like Dargo. Yep, a different headband. Yeah. But still with a full tenkas, a similar set of moustaches, different tattoos on his chin tenkas, yeah. and a much slighter figure. Yes, and he was sm- much smaller. And uh, Yeah, I noticed that as well. Uh, he's like- presented as a diplomat who is fulfilling... Like, the Luxons and the peacekeepers have now signed a non-aggression treaty. Mm-hmm. And the Luxon diplomat is out on a mission in the uncharted territories to persuade other polities yes. to align with the peacekeepers. But they get t- one of two responses. Yeah. Fear of the peacekeepers or... Like, haha! you can't even, like, uh, deal with a little band of insurgents and uh, yeah. screw you guys. Yes. Laughter that the peacekeepers can't even uh, uh, obtain this one little band on a, on a leviathan, an unarmed leviathan. Yeah. And that apparently, like, their exploits are now legendary. They're getting a reputation, yes. I mean, uh, we saw that back on the, uh, on the commerce station in, uh, in Sons and Lovers. Yeah. You know, I heard he destroyed a peacekeeper gamut base, murdered an entire Nabari battalion, even laid waste to a shadow depository. And Grazer is trying to, like, yeah, convince most of the Uncharted Territories to pick a side, which I was like, these Uncharted Territories are getting much less Uncharted by every episode that we see. Mm-hmm. It's like there's quite, quite a bit of charting going on here, as far as I can tell. It's Leading me to believe that it's a spelling error in the Uncharted Territories. Right. And to make chart- no, that's yeah, a purely no. specious bug. Like, and here is, the, here is the big difference between their approaches. She believes that the way to preserve the peacekeepers is through appeasement. Mm. de-escalation, uh, a, a diplomatic uh, solution being explored, and that a show of strength at this time is counterproductive. Whereas Scorpius is very much the hardliner. Mm. No, we must have superior weapons because he really hates the Scarens and he would like right. to just like get this wormhole weapon and then use it as much as he can against the Scarens. Yeah. Like he's, he said, I don't care about like ruling the universe, but I do want to exterminate this one species that I The Scarens, so... Yeah. I think that, that that might actually be a leverage that they can use against Scorpius in the future. We clearly see here that he he's not fully in charge. Of, I mean, he was in charge of the project, but he, apparently he can be overruled by the full council. Yeah. Whatever that may be. And that the loyalty of his crew is, is questionable. Very conditional. Yes. And, I mean, it looked like he's been living on Easy Street, but he totally hasn't been. As he says to Crichton, after he dismisses Grazer... Mm-hmm. and orders the officer who was on her side, who is apparently the only one that he can rely on, to escort her back to her craft and send some prowlers to escort them yes. out of the... And, and, she, and she's like, oh, I'll come back with a search warrant. Yeah, basically. And Because, uh, <laughs> yes. again, he's trying to appease. He immediately almost apologizes to the people on Moya, and uh, like, well, well, yeah, sorry, I, I didn't order this. And it's like... Uh, it's like yeah, let's uh, get, Crichton like, is on the comms with Pilot and, yeah. and, and says, no, uh, Scorpius didn't mean to do it. Tell him. Crichton, we were attacked. Immobilizer pulse. I know. Uh, it's, it's all right. Moya won't accept a control collar. Rather be dead. There is not going to be a control collar. Tell him. Crichton is correct. Your capture was an error. Uh, this situation will not occur again. He means it, pilot, and tell Moya I'm going to hold him to it. Thank you, Commander. And Scorpius, like a good little lapdog, yeah. like, agrees. It was an accident. It will not happen again. I'm under control now. Please, let's continue. And as uh, Grazer is uh, being marched away by uh, the lieutenant... God, God, I have to look up his name. Lieutenant Relgic, isn't it? I am honoured you remember, ma'am. She pushes him aside and said, follow your orders... 
But she's hidden a little communicator. Yeah, in this no, color. no, yeah, she 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 adjusts Rezak's color and uh, puts yeah. a little uh, comms device in there, which we she, we see or used almost immediately, where she is like going like, oh well, you know, I have concerns about Scorpius's health. Wouldn't it be a shame if something happened to him? Yeah, well, it's very difficult to get to him, but now with the Ienge bracelets yes. and poor Crichton. Oh well, then I'm very <laughs> concerned about Crichton's health as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was great. She's like, get rid of them. Because she, apparently she can go and get approval from full high command, but she's either that's going to take too much time or she's not as confident that she'll get it as she's letting on. Uh, there is some of that, yeah. yeah. So it's one or the other or maybe a bit of both. There was some moon eyes being made by the lieutenants to her, like when she, when oh, she yes. identified himself. Oh, oh, I'm honored that you remember. Ooh, ooh. Senpai noticed me. Yes. We have a few more scenes, like a talk between the various people, which we've covered. And yep. then as John and Aaron are making their way to, I don't remember where they were going. They're just walking somewhere. And then she goes, oh, right. I'm being followed. Let's go down yes, here. Yes, that's it. Yes. And they're being uh, attacked by uh, uh, Renzak's goons and his goons. Yeah. In this fantastic, I think it's called Generator, although uh, what it, looks is more it, generating? Like, it looks more like a battery to me. Right. It's this it's this grid of open cubes which are floating with sort of red plasma balls inside. It yep. must have cost a fortune to to render these graphics and to mask out all yeah. the all the set. Cuz we get a kind of protracted fight scene which is great by the way. I, I, as far, as far as fight scenes go, I love how this one went. Yeah. Cuz <laughs> it's, it's hand to hand, two of them hand to hand against one another and like John sort of realizes that this person is taking a very advanced combat stance. Okay, better run. Oh, hell, karate man. <laughs> yeah. And, Good. Uh, yes, Good uh, people get thrown into the cubes and die, and we learn very quickly why they're not shooting, because one of the goons forgets about this, takes a shot at Eren, the, the, the blaster bolt gets slowed Hovers. down and then sucked back towards its target, uh, uh, sorry, its origin, yeah. uh, and blows and up. And you just take a step, right? Yeah. But... No, John finds a, a handy weapon on the ground uh, because apparently they use jetpacks to perform maintenance on. Yeah, uh, that sounds safe. Instead of ladders. Yeah, you, because you you want to bump into one of these things and your I toe, know. so you want really want to be free flying through them. He uses it to blast one guy into the cube, then goes flying off on his own. Resak grabs another one and follows him up. It's Scorpius knows Rocketeer. It is Rocketeer. Scorpius knows that there's trouble because like every blow that John gets, he feels as well. <laughs> yeah. And he gasps to uh Baraka that like, ah, John's under attack. Like, find him, find him. Sitting in a chair being knocked about. It's so good. John manages to knock the lieutenant into into one of these balls. Yes. But by this time he's lost his, uh, his, his jetpack. Jet yeah. So he's like hanging around there at the top. Like almost getting scorched by one of the balls until is it Braca who shows up? I don't know. Someone shows up and basically shuts down the whole power grid. Yeah, I love this fight scene. This was this was a great. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you did. I was so on the fence because this is a bit silly. <laughs> it is silly, but it's still great. Right, the the sort of jetpack fighting where they're flying up and down and and sideways. It's, and these cubes. It's so unnecessary and it's so good. And then we finally come back down to. I mean, Scorpius's boudoir. Yes. Where Crichton is chilling, and this time Scorpius doesn't apologize. No. Hey, how did it feel at your end? The time is running out. Commandant Grazer will return very soon. Work it out, Scorp. 
Get your ship under control. They were after me to get at you. Realize that the situation has now changed. Our fates are now well and truly linked. This time Scorpius realizes, okay, my crew is mutinying. Yes, I I've don't got no like, more control. I'm still I'm only holding on to this from a position of power, which might soon be eroded if in fact uh Greza comes back with uh, orders. So I can't bet on Crichton's cooperation, which because he hasn't demonstrated enough of that. No, there's not been enough progress for uh, Scorpius to believe that John is still acting in good faith. And he pulls a card, which is to show John a hologram of Earth. Yep, and he goes it's like... the mid-American side yep. of the hemisphere. And he's like, yep, well, uh, we did some... It took us a lot of work to get this out of your uh, brain, and then it took us even more work to do some star uh, extrapolation. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we know where it is. You stole that from my memory. It took quite some effort to triangulate the stars from your planet. More to gain a visual confirmation. Get the hell off of me, you freak! Even with that wormhole's Earth is reachable. At top speed, just over 60 cycles. The threat is, I will take this command carrier right now and we will drive it for 60 years to your planet to destroy it at the cost of everything else and when Scorpius makes a threat like that... Yeah, you know what it is. He's like, he's telling the truth, like he's willing right? to follow there's up on no it. There's yes. no doubt. No, absolutely not. Finally, he puts away the, 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 the carrot, and now there's the stick, and then it's to be continued. Yes. Like, I've seen this episode a million times. Uh-huh. It's great. Like, this whole... All of them, all of them I've seen a million times. And I didn't remember that there was this coda, because I thought that there was going to be a, you know, a literal cliffhanger that it was at the top of the generator room and hanging oh, by his right. fingers. And you didn't remember that there was this little scene at the right. end of it. Oh, fantastic. It was so, so great. And, yeah. There we go. That's the story. So, so, oh, no, wait, no. wait, hold on. Which, the, which one does this do again? She gives That's me what we do. She gives you the willies. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's well. easy for me, this one, round. And, All right, and normally I have to, like... Okay, my, my Woody definitely goes to the CGI budget for this episode. I love everything. The, like, the, the exteriors. The exterior the- shots, the... the- the shots in the hangar bay where they arrive, where we see the, yes. the, the the transport port landing. We see we have the the generator room scenes. Everything yeah. they, they went Talon, so overboard. Uh, Ta- yeah, it was all absolutely sublime. Absolutely so great. easy, easy Woody there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really, I guess the, I mean the, the I guess the motivation between uh, uh, Wasface Razak and like that whole scene with the the power, Mister Bussaw. Which was like, yeah. I mean, that, there was no point to that. Like, there's no way you could have spun that into a positive scenario. Like, it makes no yeah. sense. It's. <laughs> I kind of feel like that's that's lower management thinking. Do you know what I mean? That's right. like shithead team leader who was elevated despite not really having good sort of people Maybe. management instincts. But he should know who that. Who thinks like, that? No, he's too stupid. To, to think that I think he could, he's like, just get that get that past get Scorpius. that past Scorpius. I mean, like any, anybody who's dealt with Scorpius, you should know that. Like, no, that's why I think maybe he hasn't. I think maybe he's a junior officer who hasn't been invited to the. He's a bit old table. to be a junior officer. Well, people's careers move at different speeds, and not right. everybody. What? No, but I mean, I mean, there's the Peter principle where you don't want to promote someone to their incompetence. No, no, I get that, but then by that reasoning, he should know about Scorpius. Like, the only only junior officer who doesn't know about how Scorpius works mm. would be a new one, not an old junior officer. True, yeah. true. But no, anyway. that's fair. So that's, uh, that, that, I mean, that's as far as I guess for uh, Willie's. I mean, that was a bit of a weird scene. Uh, My Woody goes to the, the 
stupendous and yet still completely graspable expansion of the Peacekeeper world. Yes. Uh, a oh. world, Scorpius's world, Aaron's world. It, it puts things into lovely depth of contrast that you suddenly get. and Which totally validates that Crichton starts to explore other ideas than everything he's thought about for the mm. last three seasons. Yeah. Just this one day, uh, it might have been several weeks, it might be one day, we have yeah, no idea. just this one episode. He learns so much about context and... Uh, yeah, thoughts about peacekeepers and... And he sees that this is a world that he hasn't understood. And yep. he, I mean, he even checks with Harvey and Aaron whether the Scarrens are indeed en- public enemy number one, like, to get that at least verified. And they say, yeah, well, who knows what he discovers if he sees uh, if he sees that. Yeah. Like, he even gets the benefit of uh, uh, Scorpius's backstory that mm. was revealed in, uh, in Incubator. So yes. he knows that now, too. Absolutely incredible, breathtaking. My willy goes to the jetpack fight, which I thought was just <laughs> it was, silly. It was, it was very silly. But. I know. I, I, I love that still. Much like with Iench, I love, love, love the big swings. So, yeah, that's, that's where I'm landing. Right. I mean, totally valid willy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and that's the story so, so far, Scape. Please join us next time for episode 321, Wolf in Sheep's Clothing into the Lion's Den, part Two, in which Scorpius, growing more desperate by the minute, happens to force John's hand by threatening Earth. Unable to lead the peacekeeper scientist's research astray, John rallies the crew to help him destroy the carrier itself and discovers that Crace's alliances are not all what he expected. Oh, oh dear. An unusually sort of... Uh, Concise... Uh, Synopsis, they're usually much vaguer than this, so have that to chew on. Everyone at home, we hope you'll join us next time for another fan fiction, and you can send us your own if you like those. Sofarscape.com slash links, that's where we keep our Patreon, where so many people have been supporting us. It's really, really wonderful. Thank you so much. We love Uh, you all. Thank you, thank you. This show really would not be what it is uh, without you. The, the the resources that we have, thanks to our, our our beloved listeners and contributors, is really incredible. You can also send in your synopses. Hey, the last episodes of season three, a little bit thin. So check there to see which episodes you can uh, provide a synopsis for. Probably all of season four is still open to you. We absolutely love to hear from you. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so far, escape so, so good. good.